Well, good morning, church family. I invite you to pray with me as we join and listen to this message. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I love your heart that you desire all people to know salvation. You're a God for every human being, and you sent your Son for all people. Lord, as, as we gather to hear your word, speak specifically to our hearts, guide and direct us, give us peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Did I say it's good to see you? Yeah, I love our church family. And uh, the psalmist said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We have found that rock. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the universe. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Lord of love. And he loves you more than you even know right now. Well, to get things going this morning, I want to know how many of you heard of the news item, the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Did you hear this? He didn't make the news because he is the richest man or one of them in America. Uh, he is the founder, the CEO of Amazon. He owns 16% of uh, stock in, in, in Amazon, um, a billionaire. Uh, but why did he make the news? Because of a battle with the National Enquirer. I guess the National Enquirer had some less than flattering pictures of Jeff Bezos, and they were trying to indict him, but, but he didn't take it. In fact, he told everyone that they were trying to blackmail him, and uh, that's why he made the news. Why bring this up? Because I, I sometimes wonder, why does the National Enquirer have pictures like this? Besides CGI, how do they get such pictures? Is it perhaps that they strategically place themselves to be in the right place at the right time? I think also probably breaking some trespassing laws and privacy laws, but anyway, that's what they do. And what I wanted to talk to you about is, have you ever been in the right place at the right time? For example, we had access classes past week. I heard of one young lady who was at a concert, strategically placed in the right place at the right time to meet the lead singer and shake his hand. I thought that was pretty cool. I heard of another buddy who was at a Mexican restaurant, right place, right time, to win a 55-inch flat-screen TV. That's a good day. Another church family member, a friend of this congregation, right place, right time to meet Tim Tebow. What about you? You ever been in the right place at the right time? As we've gathered uh, for our series Exponential, it's the second uh, week, uh, we're going to consider this this morning, if you're taking uh, notes, that God strategically places his people in the right place at the right time for exponential impact. It's something that I learned as I went to the seminary this past week. Our seminary is in Mequon, Wisconsin, and I was able to talk to one of our professors there. It was his first year at the seminary, and he used to be, for 20 years, a missionary in Africa. And he was telling, in 20 years of mission work, he was able to baptize over 2,500 souls. He was able to confirm 1,200 people. In fact, he was serving six congregations, and his only lament is that he didn't have enough time to serve more people. I don't know about you, but I am just geeked out that such a place exists to, to reach out with the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Well, every now and then, I have found God strategically placing me. In fact, some have referred to this as a divine appointment, and my divine appointment this past week came at the sauna in LA Fitness. Now, a little bit about the gym. Normally, guys at the gym do not like to talk. They don't, right? Isn't that true? If you've been in the gym, right? you don't want to bother them. But in the sauna, they turn into chatty Cathy's. I tell you what. If you want to open up to a guy, you just go to the sauna, and guys, obviously. But anyway, so I was there, and uh, after a while, I um, uh, met a guy named Joe. 
we got to talking, and I heard all about his baseball career. He's a head coach uh, for Lamont and Joliet Catholic and, and won a state title with Lamont, so pretty good. Uh, but then he opened up and he said, you know, I'm really struggling this week uh, because I have a former player who lost his life. Young guy, great guy, but I'm lamenting again because uh, he's no longer here. It was a divine appointment for me. For at that point, I could tell him, well, you know, I'm a pastor. And I just love that God has an answer for death. That he rose from the dead. He has a promise of eternal life for us and all who believe. I was able to tell him that I hope the God of compassion and the Father of all comfort would be with him. All because I was strategically placed at that point, at that time. Little did I know that would happen after my opening comment. The thermometer says 200 degrees. Do you really think it's that hot? But God knew what he was doing, right? What about you? Are you strategically placed by God uh, to, to be in the right place at the right time to be used by him? I would tell you absolutely. And all we need to do is open our eyes to the opportunities presented to us. There are people who need to hear your confession. God can use you, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. So we're going to turn to the Word of God. It's Acts chapter 8. It's recorded in, in, in your worship folder or on the screen today. And we're going to see how a man named Philip was given a divine appointment from God. And we're going to see what we can learn from this account. So we're going to read the whole section and then dig in. Acts chapter 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, now this is interesting um, because usually only Jews went to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, it's interesting because even before um, uh, we see that Gentiles were included in, in God's heartbeat, that he always wanted all people to know. And this Ethiopian eunuch somehow had learned again of Jesus, of, of the promises of a Messiah, uh, though he was from a different country. Well, on his way home, he was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. What a divine appointment that day for Philip. We get to have some fun in the word of God. And as we continue, to, can you turn to the person next to you and tell them, you are strategically placed. You are strategically placed. You're strategically placed. So I have a theory that smartphones have kind of changed our lives, right? 
And you could lament in some ways they've made them better and in some ways they've made them worse. Um, but in one way that they are better is definitely when we're traveling. I don't know how many of you use your smartphone when you're traveling somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all of us. And uh, all I have to do is, is pretty much press a button, directions to Starbucks, and it'll pop up a few options of Starbucks. Oh, the one in Frankfurt. That's a good Starbucks, by the way, right? And what I love about uh, GPS on my phone is it not only tells me when I'm about to turn, but it shows me what the turn looks like. So if it's like a hairpin turn, like I know, okay, really slow down that 20 mile per hour sign, it means business, right? And so smartphones have made traveling easier because do you remember what it was like before this? What did you have to use before a smartphone or GPS? Maps. Our kids only know maps through Dora. Like what's, what's a map Dora? That's the only exposure they have to a map, right? I mean, it used to be a perk for being part of the AAA. You had free maps, right? In fact, I had grandparents' friends uh, who had one of these. Do you remember this thing? Yeah, this is called a compass, kids. That's when, like, driving your car was like sailing a boat. You needed to know north and south just in case. Oh, because you didn't have a smartphone, right? So the world is getting better, right? Well, I bring this up because have you ever wanted God to kind of act like our GPS in life? Every now and then I find myself, God, if you could just give me the play-by-play, the specific directions, like in two minutes, go there, say that. In two hours, go there, do that. I would love for him to warn me about the detours. There's a crash, it's slowing down, but don't worry, you're still on the best route. Don't you love it when Siri says that? Assurance. Wouldn't you love if God would just say that? Man, it it seems like there's a crash, there's a wreck, but don't, don't worry, you're still where you need to be. You know, I kind of got jealous as I looked at Philip's story. Because God came in and gave him the play-by-play exactly what he was supposed to do, right? As we meet Philip, look at the direction. It said, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go. And where exactly where to go? South to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and then found his divine appointment. Well, later on, he was told specifically, go to that chariot, stay near it. And we know what ensued after that. Now, has God or does God usually work in our lives like GPS? My experience, friends, is no. In fact, what he often does is he gives us freedom. He allows us to decide where we're going to go, where we're going to live, what house to buy, what car to drive. There's a ton of freedom. And then he just promises, don't worry, though, I will go with you. And so there are choices along the way. Now, Now, some of our choices are dictated by our station of life. If you're a a spouse, if you're a parent, if you have a certain job, you're going to go certain places and do certain things, but there's freedom along the way. Who to talk to, where to go, how to go about it, right? And so for me, here's what I found. That really, to be in the right place at the right time, to be used by God, will take my intentionality. It's not just going to be a a play-by-play, you better do this, do that, It's going to take me looking for certain things. In fact, Scripture would remind us to have our eyes open to the opportunities in front of us. Um, Look what it says in Ephesians. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now back to my sauna evangelism. Friends, it didn't have to happen. In fact, for the first 10 minutes, I didn't say anything. So it wasn't going to happen. 
But then I considered what would happen if I just engaged in conversation. And I had no idea what was going to happen when I said, the thermoset says 200, do you really think it's that hot? But God knew, right? But it took intentionality. It took intentionality to say that I was a pastor, to encourage him that Jesus has conquered death. It took intentionality to speak those words of comfort. I could have not said a thing. I could have just empathized. Here's what I believe. If you want to be used by God to be in the right place right there, it will take your open eyes to make the most of every moment. It will take intentional activity. It doesn't just happen. You know, I was reminded of this by the encouragement of our church president. Um, He came out with a President's Corner video, and I wanted to share with you, just because I thought it was really well done, his encouragement to us as a congregation. So here's about a two-minute video of, of our president's words over what to be looking for. Here we go. Hi, Amazing Love. It's Brian Fitempa here, your president, with another episode of President's Corner. Well, can you believe it's February already? You know, in January, most people start off the year with New Year's resolutions. I'm not one for New Year's resolutions, but did you know that most people that make New Year's resolutions in January, by February, 80% of those are already broken? Well, my concept is if you don't make them, you can't break them. But, however, if I were to make a New Year's resolution, it would probably be to focus on the reach part of our mission. You know, reach the loss of the love of Christ. That reach part, I think, is so powerful. And as I mentioned in my Vision Sunday message last year, Witnessing is very powerful, and it's up to us to, to do our job of putting our best foot forward to do the reaching. It's up to God to, to end up delivering the results. If I were to specifically have a New Year's resolution, it would be primarily around the reaching component of future generations, not just this generation, but impacting kids and encouraging our children to have a personal relationship with Christ. So I don't expect everyone to follow my New Year's resolution, but... I hope and I encourage you all to reach and to witness in your own way. You know, I woke up this morning and my Bible app told me to get into Zephaniah, the book of Zephaniah. Who, I didn't even know Zephaniah was, was longer than, uh, it's only three chapters long. I wasn't that familiar with Zephaniah. But as I got into the book, you know, Zephaniah was a prophet that God had prophesied to Israel to and warning them about staying the course. And he says in verse 4, I will stretch out my hand against Judah, and he goes on about punishing the people that fall away from him. Those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of them. And he goes on in verse 12, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent. Complacency is a word that when you see success, you sit back and you dwell on the success. The success is ultimately up to God. Our job is to keep pushing forward. So I encourage us all, to listen to the words of Zephaniah that apply to us today and not be complacent. I encourage you to please join me in prayer. Put forth your time, your talents, or treasures in whatever way you see to witness or to reach the lost. And there it is. I would echo his comments. We don't know how much time we have or what opportunities will be given us. And so being intentional about our reach to other people is extraordinary. Now, the reason I bring this up is because you might know this week is a great opportunity we have to reach out to many people. Next Sunday, we have our 10-year anniversary. Can you give it up for 10 years? (laughs) 
And if you've ever been here for one of those celebrations, you know it's awesome. It's awesome with music. It's awesome with the message of Jesus. And yes, Aurelio's Pizza. It's going to be fantastic. And we have business card invites. There's plenty of them on the the check-in booth there. Uh, Grab a business card invite and think, is there a friend? Is there a family member? Is there a coworker who's lost and needs to hear the love of Jesus? We proclaim it every Sunday here. A great opportunity to reach out to those who may need to know. But the real temptation for us, as in many things, is to know what to do and not do it. To hear God's voice and say, go do it and be kind of like Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah was told to go to Nineveh and so Jonah chose to go the other way. Now, God has his handiwork in this, and he was swallowed by a big fish. We don't know if he was a whale. He stayed in the belly of that fish for three days until he was finally spit out, told where to go. Now, I'm not saying God's going to send a big fish to swallow you if you don't do this activity, but you've been warned. Um, But maybe we should take seriously God's call to go, to just use the opportunities that are in front of us. We know there are people who don't know the love of Jesus. It's going to be a great Sunday, so just go. In fact, today, if there's something that we, we should repent of, it's all the, the, the missed opportunities, where we didn't make the most, where we weren't intentional, when we knew what God had to say to us but didn't do it. Of this, we want to repent and say, Lord, I'm going to do it differently. Because we know how good it feels to be pursued, don't we? This week is Valentine's week. Valentine's Day is coming up. Guys, I've warned you, so, so be prepared. You still have opportunity. It's Valentine's Day coming up. And, and, and some of you know how good it is when someone's pursuing you. In fact, has anyone ever been pursued by these candies? I'm just curious. How many of you actually like the taste of these? That's not a lot. Okay. Maybe it's the reason this company actually went bankrupt So there's less of these candies to give. I guess they're rolling out new ones in 2020. I don't know if that means these ones are like old if you have one. Anyway, fair warning. But it's phenomenal to feel pursued. Maybe you even sense, I want to be wanted, right? Maybe that's what a gal is saying in your life. I want to be wanted. And so to pursue someone with flowers or chocolates or notes or gifts, these are just great feelings. What I love to remind you is that do you know the God of the universe, the Lord of lords, he's pursued you? Do you know he has always wanted you? I love Psalm 23. The end of that psalm has this passage that says, Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. It'll follow after me. How wonderful to know that about God. Because what did God do to pursue us? He didn't send candies or chocolates or flowers. He sent his son who would live, who would die, who would rise again so we could know we're of priceless worth. So we could know we are loved and forgiven and that victory is ours in Jesus Christ. I'm reminded that he strategically placed us through the words of Acts. In Acts chapter 17, look, look what it says. It says, from one man he made all the nations, that includes us, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, you are strategically placed. Now, now why? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any of us. You are where he wants you to be. 
that perhaps you would know his goodness, his mercy, his love. How awesome that he has continued to pursue you through his unfathomable love. This is Jesus Christ. But friends, as he pursued us, so it is our opportunity to pursue other people, to go as Philip goes, to, to run, to, to, to be about it. Well, there's still work to do. But now let's say that God blesses our going efforts and we actually reach them and they come. What are we going to share with them? What's going to help them? Well, to talk about this, would you agree that our world is inundated with useless information? Anyone agree with that? For example, I remember when SportsCenter was just an hour. Guys, remember that? Now, how many channels do they have? You can analyze, you can, you can pull apart almost every game, infinitesimally almost, and, and, and really be that Monday morning quarterback, right? Or you consider uh, celebrity news. Why do I need to know the baby names of every celebrity? Why? I don't. Reality TV. Why do I need to watch how someone else lives and doesn't do it so well? And then there's also social media. Now, I'm not knocking anyone's posts on social media. Um, there, there are some clever things. Um, one of the guys I like is Bat Dad. I don't know if you've heard of Bat Dad. But, but finally, how much is Bat Dad helping me in my life? And so if we do reach people, and they come to this place, what are we going to share with them? I think we have an imperative to share useful information, things that will affect their lives and their hearts. I love that the church is known for sharing useful information. Um, we've done financial peace for years, and Financial Peace University has changed many people's financial lives just through that helpful information. I love that there are books on, on marriage, and there's marriage seminars and marriage refreshment we had a couple years ago. Uh, currently, my wife and I are reading The Lies Couples Believe. I'd really recommend this book, by the way. It's a great book. I, I love that there's useful information on how to do marriage better. I love parenting seminars. I, I love talks about how to use my language better and, and talk better. So much useful information is in the church. What I believe is that we don't want to just have to-dos. In fact, if you're taking notes, this is what I believe. That, that if the teaching of the church is only about morality, if they come to Amazing Love and they're only hearing, this is what you need to do in marriage, this is what you need to do with finances, this is what you need to do, that at one point or another it's going to be useless. Because let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a marriage seminar and still been a bad spouse? It's just me. Okay. I even teach the class. Gone to a parenting seminar, still been a bad parent. Uh, done Financial Peace University and still broken some of the steps. It happens all the time. And so the, the, the reality is if, if all we come to hear is this is what you need to do and this is what you should be about, we're epic failures. In fact, I was reading in my personal devotion, Job, his commentary on this said, but how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? And the rhetorical answer to that question is they can't. So all of us, if we just hear more to do, to do, to do, it'll be depressing and at one point or another useless because we all fall down. Which is why I love when Philip was told to go to the eunuch. What is the eunuch reading about? 
Is he in Proverbs about how to handle money? Is he reading the Ten Commandments? No. What is he reading? Out of all the Old Testament, the only written script that was available at the time, he is in the sweetest, the juiciest portion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he was reading. He said, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. There's a lamb before its shear is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch wanted to know, is this about Isaiah? Who is this about? And you and I know this is about our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is prophesying salvation through his name. That yes, he would stand deprived of justice in a kangaroo court. Many accusations, many, many false things said, but he would stand silently. He would stand before Pilate, who wanted to let him go, but then make a case for himself so that he could die our death. What the eunuch heard that day was the gospel. How Jesus suffered silently so he could rejoice loudly that salvation is one. And that is what we are to share, friends. That sweet, unfathomable, undescribable love of Jesus Christ. As we get together, we primarily proclaim the forgiveness of God for rule breakers. That's what I believe changes hearts and lives. We don't always need more information on how to handle money and how to do marriage better, but we do need to hear that I am forgiven. I need to hear that while I was sinner, Christ died for me, and he died for you. I need to know that as far as the east is from the west, so far as you remove my transgressions, I need to hear that he has hurled them into the depths of the sea. That though I feel clothed with red, he has made me as white as snow, clothing me with his righteousness, and that's what he's done for you. You and I who don't always get it right. In fact, actually to make progress in any of those other areas, you need to be compelled by the gospel. You need to know I'm forgiven and so I'm free to fail and try and try and try. The gospel sets sinners free. It is the power of salvation for all who believe. We proclaim Jesus Christ. You know, in studying this section, I heard some history of mission work in Greenland. And they were recounting that for years, several years, the missionaries were there, and they were telling about the morality of God, the laws of God, the living Lord. But it was only after they shared the gospel, salvation through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that really they made inroads in Greenland. And the commentator had said this, this course usually produces a greater effect than that which follows the delivery of many merely moral sermons. Friends, as we reach the lost, what are we going to share with them? Better shape up or ship out? We're going to share with them that you are loved. You're forgiven. I know you're broken. I know life is tough. You don't have it all together, neither do we. But Jesus died for us. We have the right to be set free, to be called a child of God. This changes hearts and lives and eternities. What else did Philip do? Philip baptized him, didn't he? And so what does the church have? The church still has these same powerful tools, the sacraments we call them, of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That in baptism, it is a washing of rebirth and renewal. That's what Titus says. That we can be reborn by the power of those waters, God working through them. That in communion, we receive the body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. When we use the gospel, both in word and sacraments, this is the power of the church to set sinners free. 
friends, as we close, how do we as a church continue to position ourselves to be in the right place at the right time? Well, I wonder, have any of you been to the Chicago Auto Show? Chicago Auto Show, yeah. I like the auto show. In, in fact, the only Super Bowl ad I remember had to do with this car. This is the 2020 Toyota Supra. And the reason it struck me is because I was a Fast and Furious fan. I'll, I'll be out about that. And, and, and this is like just a tuner's like dream car. Uh, it happened during the 90s. 93, 98 was just a perfect uh, Toyota Supra car. And they're coming back with a Supra. And I have a feeling that this car will actually do pretty well. I have a feeling that it will be a cult classic for, for those who follow uh, maybe the Fast and the Furious or, or those who like tuner cars. And the reason I bring this up is because the auto industry is very savvy. The auto industry and, and, and many sales industries are notorious for watching what people like and responding to what they like. They, they respond to this cult classic, right? They bring it out once again. That, that's what many companies do. They're observing our, our interactions and saying, well, well, this is what they like, so this is what we're going to give them. Well, the reason I bring this up about the auto industry is I, I think we don't need to be a business in the business sense, but what we should do is that if we want to be in the right time and the right place, we should make wise observations. See, it is our strategy to be in the community, to, to reach people and influence them with the gospel. And, and what this will take to do it effectively, I believe, is wise observation. And so one of our goals is to be positioned in Frankfurt as a voice for Jesus. And something we know about Frankfurt is that the concerts on the green is a pretty big deal. Is that correct? Concerts on the green? And so this year we're going to sponsor the concerts on the green. Our name attached to what's going on in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, that's why uh, we've been part of the community showcases. We're written for the Frankfurt Station. It's why we hold a free garage sale on the, the same weekend that Frankfurt is having their free garage sales or, or their garage sales. It's why we have a soccer camp. It's why we marched in the Frankfurt Fall Fest Parade because that's a big deal as well. We want to find ourselves in the right place at the right time so we can meet guys like Daryl. I met Daryl at a community showcase and I invited him to come to the office. Anytime you see the red car there, feel free to stop on by. Well, it took a couple years, but Daryl, after the passing of his wife, needed some comfort. And Daryl came, and I was able to share with him the comfort of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we were a polling place, we met Andrew. Andrew, who was struck by how friendly our polling place people were. Thank you, Judy. And Debbie. It's awesome said, if you're that friendly, I need to come on a Sunday. And after worshiping with us on a Sunday, he said, you know what? I had the best week ever after worshiping that Sunday. And he's come back. Why do we do this? Because we know there are people that need to be reached. People just like that Ethiopian eunuch who don't know that they have the right to be set free. That forgiveness is theirs. So let us, with intentionality, go to people who need to hear the gospel. Invite them to this place. Let us be wise in our strategy of what it takes to reach other people. And let us be confident that when they get here, we have all the tools we need, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that their lives and eternities will be changed. May God so bless us. Amen. Please stand.